I've been thinking about our fourth year, and so what I, what I do about this, I wanted to start off with, um, if you know me, I'm from, uh, my family's from Montana, I was born in Texas. My dad is a sixth generation German farmer, did not want to be on a ranch in Montana, so he joined the military. And so I was born in Texas, we traveled everywhere, and when you live on a military base, you hear of a lot of urban legends and stories and are told amongst the military people, and I remember growing up and just hearing all these uh, fancy, amazing stories about fighter pilots and jet pilots and all these other things that are going on. Uh, but one stuck into my head. It's the one that's kind of imprinted in my mind. And my dad told me this. I don't know if it's true, but um, I'm just going to go by it and say it's true. It might be an urban legend. He'll, he can tell me later on. Uh, and the story goes like this. Uh, there was a corporal. So if in, the, in the business world, corporal is, I don't know what you'd even call them. They're probably an intern in, in, at Macquarie or someplace like that. So there, an intern comes in, a corporal, and he's in charge of the motor pool which is where you have all the trucks and the jeeps and the tanks on the military base. And so he's sitting at his desk. And then one day the base commander calls up. The base commander would be like your head, head, head. So he's the top of your company. I don't know. He's beyond a managing director, whatever you want to. So, but he's the three, probably a three-star general. And he's trying to figure out uh, he needs a car for the day. And so he calls up the motor pool. He doesn't announce who he is. He just says, uh, hey, I'm, I'm calling to see what kind of cars we have in the motor pool. And the corporal, not knowing who's talking, said, well, you know, we have, we have a couple Jeeps, we have a couple tanks that are being repaired, we have a couple big trucks, and we have this really nice limo for a big fat general. <laughs> and the, the general's listening on his phone, right? And he's like, son, do you know who this is? And he's like, no, 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 no sir. And he goes, this is General that big fat general. How dare you say something like that? And there's this quiet. And also the private goes, Sir, do you know who this is? And the general goes, No. Goodbye, fatty. <laughs> <laughs> I tell that story because I love it. Um, <laughs> and I remembered it since I've been like 10 years old. But I think it's a story that it, it speaks to us today. Uh, it, the story, I think, is it, it talks about, you know, sometimes we just forget who we talk to. Sometimes we forget who we're talking to. Sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we forget our position and our job and what we're supposed to do. Sometimes we forget who we report to. And the story I just told shares a great example of that, and I hope it's true. Um, but the scripture talks about it over and over again. In the passage that we talked about about four weeks ago, we put it in the bulletin again today, and it's because I think it talks to us as a church at four years old, and this is going to be a very interesting uh, sermon time. So what we're going to do is, I, I hate meetings, I hate AGMs, I, I just, I'm always, because it's just always these situations where you're calling people up, come here to this meeting, and we need a quorum, and we need all these things, and it just never works out uh, in churches and businesses and everywhere. And so what we decided to do, uh, and this is, I think, is our third one, our second one, we decided not to have AGM, but we started to have a service. And so what we're going to do is we're going to share, so you're in our AGM right now, but we're hopefully it'll be funner than a board meeting, and we're going to share uh, about what God's been doing in, in the church's life. We're going to share where, where we've been, uh, where, where, where we are now, and where we're hoping to go. And so this is basically Watermark's uh, AGM. So you got that? Then afterwards, we're going to take a picture, and there's food for people, and, and if you haven't ordered your ticket yet, we have some extra tickets. Come see uh, Christina and I. We're going to have this great celebration. But right now we're looking at, 
you got it. Where, 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 are we, where are we going and what we're doing? And the passage says this. As Peter is talking to the church, he reminds them of who they are. He reminds them of who they're working with. And the thing that always sticks out to me is in verse 9 is he reminds them that they are priests. He reminds them that everybody in the church is a priest. Now, in the Jewish culture, there were only a couple priests, and those priest jobs were really important. But in the church, what Peter is reminding us is that everybody in the church is a priest. The priest's job was to bring broken people to God. The priest's job was to be this element of reconciliation. They, the priest made the temple happen. The priest, anything that happened in the temple, it was because the priests were serving, they were doing, they were bringing. And the, the priest's job was to bring the broken people, to bring the people who needed God to, into the temple and to help this reconciliation take place. And when Peter's writing in 1 Peter 2, what you realize is that the people forgot. The people forgot, and the Bible's full of this. The Bible talks a lot about sometimes we forget when it's prosperous and things are great and it can't even be better. And then sometimes we, as God's people, priests, we forget when it's difficult and when it's really hard. But what he says here is that the people forgot. And as I look back on these four years, and if I think about the next 20 years, and this is going to be short, guys, but I, I think about the next 20 years, there's some things that keep sticking into my mind is that what I hope this church will look like and there's some things in my mind that stick in what I hope this church won't look like. And I wonder, and my prayer is, and I hope that we don't become like the priest that Peter's writing to in 1 Peter. I hope that 30 years from now, when people come into Watermark, that we're not a group of passive people. I mean, sometimes we can become passive, right? And that's why Peter's writing this message to him. Sometimes we can come into the temple, and we can expect to have our needs met instead of meeting other people's needs. Um, sometimes we can come into the temple and we can not want to be equipped. We cannot want to be served. We can just want to veg and sit down because our life is so hard and so crazy. And we can come in and we can forget that God has called us all to be priests. I mean, he has called us all to help broken people and to be a part of healing broken city, Hong Kong. I wonder and I hope that we don't become like the people in 1 Peter because Peter wrote this story to this church that's 30 years old. And I hope in 25 years we're not struggling with the same things that they are, were struggling with. I hope that we're not so busy that we become separated from where we live. In Peter's day, the people were so busy with their schedules and their life and everything they were doing. They just were, they were so busy that they... They didn't think about their neighbors or the people around them. They stopped reaching out to new people. They stopped reaching out to new people because they were so busy. It's amazing to me sometimes in a church, we can travel 20 minutes or 30 minutes to get to a church or a watermark, but we can't walk 10 feet out of our door to talk to our neighbors. And I hope that we're not like that. I pray that we don't become like the people in Peter's day. I hope that we don't stop changing lives and communities and relationships. I hope that we keep reaching out and loving people. I hope that we stay focused on the one teacher, Jesus, and not whoever's teaching up here 20 years from now. We don't want to become a mega church that's focused on one personality, but we want to become a church that continually focuses on Christ and what he's done. 
you know, when we first started praying about this church, we, we wrote out some things. We said we want to be a church that knows what it was like before we became Christians. We want to be a church that never forgets what it was like when we walked in darkness, when we were alone, when we felt guilt, when we felt shame, when we felt terrible, and no one would ever talk to us. We wanted to remember what that was like. We wanted to be a church that was for the unchurched people. We wanted to be a church that was for de-churched people, people who gave up on church. We wanted to be a church that was also for church people, but the focus was always never to bring people from other churches. The focus was always to reach people who weren't in church on Sunday and to love them and bring them to the gospel. When we started praying about this, after six months, one of our members came up and he said, you know, this church, it's, uh, I said, what? He goes, well, this is how I would define it. I would say Watermark is the home of sinners in the gospel. Watermark is the home of sinners in the gospel, and I pray that 25 years from now, we would continually be that group of people who were changed by God's word. I, we, we prayed that we would be a church community where everybody knew your name and everybody knew your story or parts of your story. That people could pray for you and they could be a part of you. How are we doing? Are we doing good with that? Because that's what we prayed for. We prayed that we would be this church family where, and this is amazing to me because it's something I've been praying for forever. We wanted to be a church where even if friends knew that somebody else was thinking about spiritual things and even if they weren't spiritual, they would say, hey, go check out Watermark because they're an interesting church. I've heard good things about them. And it's amazing to me how many people are in church today because somebody brought them, and the people who brought them weren't churchgoers, or they weren't in the family of God, and some of them aren't even in here today. And that's the type of church we want to be about. We want to be a church that integrates all the generations together, right? We've talked about that. And sometimes that gets messy. I mean, sometimes it gets messy. We have kids around, and they're screaming and crazy. I actually... I, I actually love it. I mean, I think it's, it's just what the family of God is supposed to be like. The family of God is supposed to be messy, uh, and people are messy. But that's the type of church we wanted to be. And, and what we realize is if your kids, listen to me really carefully, even if you don't have kids, you are, you are, you are raising the kids in this church. If the kids never see you worship, if they never see you sing, if they never see you tithe, if they never see you come to God's word, they never see you open it, if they just come and they get separated and they go off to other places, if they never are integrated into the church family, th their faith will never become their own. I mean, statistically, the, the numbers are out of control. And so we think that sometimes the best thing to do is get this great youth program, and that might help bring some people into a church, but that's not going to help them walk a lifetime with the Lord. What's going to help them walk a lifetime with the Lord is for us doing it together and so they see older people and brothers and sisters. And I'm so thankful for the singles in this group. Because my kids are ministered so much by you guys and ladies. Because you love them, you encourage them, and you show them what it means to be a Christian even as you're older. We wanted to be a church that was theologically sound. We wanted to always talk about the gospel. We wanted to be a place where you could ask questions. We wanted a place where even if you didn't agree with what was said, you could feel free to ask the question and you could feel heard, and then you could walk away going, wow, that's an interesting church, because even though I agreed very differently, they love me, they care for me, they still pursue me in their community groups, and, and that's, I want to bring my friends there. We want this vision to drive everything that we do. We want to be a church that understands that we're not in Hong Kong to use Hong Kong. We're not in Hong Kong for the short period of time just to use it and then get our, our money or our position and then go back to our hometown. But we believe that we're, God has placed you here because he wants you to serve the city. He wants you to change the city. He wants you to impact the city. He wants you to use your gifts and your talents and your time. And we want to be a church that does that and thinks about that. How are we doing? 
my prayer, I think that we're doing pretty good, but we could do better in some areas. And so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to share some of these things of what God has been allowing us to do. But again, it's not the staff doing it. It's you doing it. And if you don't engage, if you don't pray, if you don't do all these things, then Watermark won't exist. We want to be a church community where everyone serves and uses their gifts and talents. And the focus po- point is changing lives. And so I've asked Danielle to come up. Danielle, where are you? Okay. And uh, as I think about what God has called us to do, um, it's my privilege as a pastor just to see God changing people's lives. And so Danielle has agreed to come up here, and she's going to share a little of her story. I promise not to be uh, as hard on her as I am with my wife sometimes up here by asking funny questions or things like that. So, uh, Danielle, I think as I think of um, God changing people's lives, um, I know that there's many stories out here. But I, I really want people just to kind of hear a started part of your story. Um, so maybe just share who you are and, and how you, what, yeah, just share who you are. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Danielle, and I'm currently working for Watermark Church as a graphic designer. And my husband is a non-believer, which is why he's not here today. But he supports uh, my, my, my choice of faith because he has witnessed the change in me over the last two years after I've become baptized. And my seven-year-old daughter, she comes to church with me every Sunday. So she's on this journey together with me. And uh, yeah, I got baptized two years ago just outside. In, in our great kiddie pool that we yes, have out there. And yes, and then yes. I've started coming ever since. Okay. Well, can you tell a little bit about your story about um, how the Lord has been moving in your life and in your marriage and uh, just the things that you've been learning, I mean, as comfortable as you feel during this time? Yeah, um, a couple of years ago, I was going through a phase whereby um, nothing seems to matter or mean to me, at, like nothing seems to mean anything to me. And I was feeling empty and lonely no matter what, uh, even though I have all the things that I need. And um, I was depressed, so, and because of that, I started picking on my marriage, my life, and my partner. I resented many things that I have been through in Hong Kong. and. Um, I really, really um, blame him for everything. And we, we separated for a while, and I started coming to Watermark Church. So what the God has taught me was, um, he actually showed me a miracle, a miracle for me, because during that time, I was so 100% sure that I'm not going to give my marriage a second chance. But um, he changed my heart, and he healed my heart. and. I started to learn how to love my husband again, and we got back together, and we are now having a really like healthy marriage. Okay. You have a very interesting story. Of, can you just share maybe um, how you came to be about at Watermark and what the church has been doing in your life since that happened? Yeah. Um, so I was going through a phase like where I was so upset and. I was talking to a friend when I went back to Singapore. I'm from Singapore, and she's, she's from here, and she asked me if I'm doing all right. And I usually would tell people, say, I'm fine, but on that evening, I was with Scarlett. I was feeling really down. I told her, no, I'm not fine at all. Something is really wrong in me, and I don't know how to fix it. And I think she said, you should go to this church with me and check it out. And I said, okay. And we did, so it was Watermark Church, and I came without any expectations and without like thinking whether if it's really the solution to my problems. 
And yeah, so she kind of indirectly helped sort out my messy life. I'm grateful for that. And of course, I know it's through God that, you know, he brought her to my life on that night and asked me to come here. And you told me that she does, she's not a churchgoer and she no longer goes to church here, right? So yeah. my question is, why did you keep coming? Um. I, you're, 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 I don't make fun of Singaporeans, so you're, you're okay with that. There, because there's too many rules that, there. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. I didn't prepare for that. Yeah. Okay, so why did I keep coming? Why did you keep coming? Because, yeah. Okay, firstly, I, I've been to churches in Singapore, but they are like uh, maybe not the ones that I, I really feel comfortable with. So that puts me off. And then when I was here and I was down, and I came here, I don't feel intimidated. I like the music and I like the atmosphere and I like your sermons. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you don't have to say that because you work for me. <laughs> no, um, yeah. So that's why. And also, um, after I started joining a community group, I have a sense of belonging. And I just realized that I can't stop coming anymore. Hmm. Yeah. What would you tell somebody who was experiencing the same things that you were experiencing in that sense? Well, this I have to read from the script. <laughs> for, for those of you, or even a friend or a family member, you, you see that if they are experiencing something similar to me, I just want to say, as cliche as it sounds, we are not alone, and that God is always around as forms of church, as forms of a church mate, a neighbor, or even a friend who is sitting right beside you, who brought you here. Like, I think God wants us to be here, and there's a room you just don't know. Or maybe you know, and you don't know where to start. So coming here, I think, is a good place to start. Right. Can I pray for you? Yeah. And then we'll let the next guys come up. Father, we thank you for my sister, and I pray for her family. I pray for her husband, who's still on this journey. Thank you that he uh, is happy to have Danielle and his daughter come to church in the community and stay in it. And I pray for just his eyes, that you would open his eyes to your son Christ. pray that you just encourage her and just thank you for how you've, you've, in, <laughs> you've healed her marriage in many, many ways. But we know that the journey isn't completed. And so we pray that you would continue to go before her and give her wisdom, give her peace, and to encourage her. And just give her the words that would point uh, those around her to your son. So, Father, we just thank you, and we love you. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. How are we on? Um, Following on from, from what Tobin has been saying, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, community groups. But um, connected to what Tobin was saying, in, in, in 1887, a guy called Ansel Bourne, who is the, the guy that, um, you know, Jason Bourne from the Bourne trilogies <laughs> was named after. Um, he was a Christian preacher who one day set off to visit his sister. Um, he was in Rhode Island. It was only a couple of miles away. But then, mysteriously, he ended up withdrawing all of his savings, moving to Pennsylvania, and opened up a store under the name of Alfred J. Brown. For two months, he was there, when after two months, 
he suddenly woke up one morning thinking, where on earth am I? When the people around him told him, oh, we think you are called Albert J. Brown, he was totally confused. Because Mr. Bourne had had a case of amnesia. For two months, he forgotten who he was and what he was meant to be doing, and he ended up living a completely different life from what he was meant to be doing. He went back after two months and lived completely normally as Ansel Bourne for the rest of his life. Now, why do I tell that story, you may be wondering? Um, basically, as Christians, we often have an amnesia problem. At Watermark, we know that actually we often forget who we are and what we're here for. Why actually God has brought us into Hong Kong. And at Watermark, we have community groups, which is one of the places where we are to remind each other of who we are and what we're here for. We're to remind each other that as Christians, we're to, have, we're to be God's word junkies. We're to have the gospel shaping every part of our life increasingly day by day. We're to be people who, are, who don't forget that actually we are family members. We're here to love and serve and care for each other and encourage each other, not just attend Sunday meetings. We're also to remember that we are God's ambassadors, called to share the gospel to people who don't know it, to the world around who needs to hear the amazing good news. That is why we started community groups at Watermark, to have people around us who can help us to remember who we are so we don't fall into the same case as Ansel Bourne. Now, I have, um, I have a couple of uh, wonderful people with me, Colin and Kristen, um, who are part of uh, one of the 14 community groups that we have across Hong Kong Island and uh, Kowloon and in Lantau Island. And uh, I've just invited them to share a little bit about what um, community group has been like uh, for them over this last year. So um, maybe if you'd just like to introduce yourself first, and then... That wasn't in the question. Can you give it a sense? Um, I've just thrown them off with a... <laughs> so uh, I'm Kristen, my husband Colin. We've been in Hong Kong uh, for five years. Colin is from Hong Kong originally, but I'm not. Um, and we've been in Watermark for about three years. Great. Thank you. So could you tell me what community group are you part of? Um, we are the Bel Air group. Okay, and tell me what is it like being part of the Bel Air community group? Um, uh, our group is very new. We just started this year in February and we meet every other Saturday. And um, our group is mainly composed of families and couples. Um, and there's very good bonding among the adults as well as the children. And during our discussion time, the, the kid, the older one, will take care of the younger one in a separate area, and which is very important for us because it takes away the chaos from our discussion. And, uh, and our group people are very open in sharing what God is doing in their lives, which, which is really great. Yeah. Great. And so how have you seen um, God working and growing both your community group and even uh, in your own lives this, this past year? Um, I think just to give a bit of uh, background of where we were at uh, spiritually. So I was from Hong Kong, but then we, 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 we met in London. We worked in London for qu quite a long time. So, um, and we moved back only uh, five years ago. 
in the first two years was really tough because we found um, that in London there's a much better work-life balance and uh, work is really demanding and it's really stressful for me and uh, it's affecting my health and also our marriage. And then we found Watermark and uh, we joined Tobin's group, which was great to be like spoon-fed for a year, just go there, enjoy the friendship and, uh, and, and being, being taken care of. Um, yeah, that, that, that was, uh, that was uh, really, um, we're thankful for that, that kind of uh, recovery and um, refreshment time until, until one day this particular church member, church staff, Chris Thornton, strongly encouraged us to let's start a group together with two other couples, uh, Simon, Sherman, Dwight and Margot. Gentle encouragement. Gen gently and, pers and consistently at different occasions over a period <laughs> of three months. And yes, with agenda behind of let's come out for lunch on after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I would say God um, help us to grow through um, co-leading a group because when we are CG members, I think like what Tobin said, we were really the passive participant. We we go there, enjoy the friendship, enjoy the food, um, you know, learn about God's word, share it, and. Bye bye, and then wait for the next one. Um, and when, when we co leading a CG, I think God gradually changed our minds to become more proactive and also become more uh, kingdom focused when we pray for our members, when we pray for the visitors, when we uh, uh, start to concern more about what's, what's going on in the church. Um, yeah, so we actually read the bulletins more now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think I need to look. Yes. And also, we, we, we start stepping a bit more. You can see I'm not doing that very well. We, we're trying to step outside our comfort zone to you know, meet newcomers and try to make them feel welcome. But naturally, I, I'm the more introvert kind in our relationship. And I am naturally not a very friendly person. But... <laughs> Chris is great. Chris is not. Chris is the complete opposite. He's friendly and, and, and really welcoming people and outspoken. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and, yeah, and, right. So, and also, when we started the group, we were a bit worried and um, we were concerned initially whether are we ready to start a group and we're planning to have babies. Can we really commit? How long can we commit? And, uh, whether people will come, if they come, are they, are they nice people, are they easy to get along? So a lot of these kind of worries and really self-centered question. And, um, but I think God just provided everything. He provided people, provided really good bonding among the groups, regardless of our background, uh, our personality and beliefs, that we, we all come together um, and quite well. And, um, and so I think what we learned from is that it's not, what we do or, or, or our ability that make the group to grow, but it's really God's causes the group to grow, uh, especially when we um, see God's work in our lives, when we come together, pray together. I, I, we find that our, um, our faith individually and as a group becomes stronger as we really can see God works in our lives through our ups and downs of our members. That's great. Thank you. And um, Kristen, why do, you, why do you think being part of a community group has been important for your spiritual journey? If there's someone out here as well who maybe 
was wondering about being part of a community group. What would you say? So I think if we are not part of a CG, then um, we probably wouldn't be meeting people, uh, meeting other believers in a, on a regular basis uh, with the intentional purpose of sharing our lives, praying together, and studying the word. And I think if we don't do that, it's very easy for us to just uh, get comfortable in our own ways, which is really the worldly ways. And we will have no accountability to other believers. But because we are part of a CG, we are regularly reminded about how the others are living their lives. And so we are regularly challenged and encouraged by that. So I think that's, uh, that helps us to walk with God more closely. Um, and then secondly, when we study the sermon series, um, you know, when we discuss it and when we think through the message together, it really helps uh, to make the message stick longer and hopefully that translates to our daily life. And the third thing is I think the prayer support provided by the CG is really important. Um, for example, uh, in the early part of our pregnancy, before we found out it's viable, um, I think I could have easily fallen, I mean, get overwhelmed by worries because I'm naturally a worrier. But uh, thanks to all the prayers uh, from our CG and also many friends in this church, we managed to stay quite calm, which was a surprise. <laughs> um, so up until you know week nine, which is considered quite late uh, to, f to, to, to hear the heartbeat. So when we found out it was, it was viable, you know, everyone who had been praying is, is super encouraged, not just us. So it's, it's just a, a, a great thing to be praying for something together. And um, I think in the recent months, our CG has been quite amazed by how quickly God answered some of our prayers. And uh, when, when that happened, everyone is encouraged, not just the prayer requester. But even in cases where God hasn't answered or God answered in a different way, um, I think that God's peace and encouragement will still hold the prayer requester together. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. So our, our aim for this, for this coming year is that um, we've already heard that we, we want to be a church which has church planting in our DNA. And multiplying community groups is like church planting in, in miniature. And so we want to be able to multiply community groups across Hong Kong Island and in Kowloon. We would love to start groups uh, in Park Island this year. We'd love to start a group um, down in... Uh, Apley Chow, Aberdeen, Wong Chuk Hang um, direction. We'd love to start a group, another group in Kowloon side. And also we're hoping for those who, um, who English is maybe not the language they're most comfortable in, we want to be starting um, uh, and we're planning to start a, uh, a group for Mandarin speakers to be able to study God's word, uh, which David later you'll, you'll see will be um, uh, helping to head up. And, and also, uh, a Cantonese speaking group as well. So these are some of the things we really want to pray for. If you are not in a community group, come and see me afterwards. If you live in any of the areas I've just mentioned or are interested, come and see me afterwards because God actually wants to do amazing things this year like he's been doing in Colin and Kristen's life. So let me just pray for them and then I'm going to transition on for Alfie to um, talk about the university ministry. Let's, let me just pray. Um, Father, thank you so much for what you've been doing in Colin and Kristen's life, in that community group, and I know in so many other community groups across 
uh, watermark. Lord, thank you that you are a living God who wants to change our lives. He wants to help us to remember who we are and who we are called to be in this city. Lord, please help us as a church to be that kind of people who are everything that you've called us to be. In your name. Amen. Over to Alfie. Ah, here we go. All right, good morning. My name is Alfie, and I help direct the university ministries here at Watermark. And it's been quite an exciting time. It's been a lot of transition over the past 18 months. In fact, 18 months ago, I did not know any of these people that I brought up. And it's really exciting that we we're able to come and hear from each of them a bit about what God has been doing um, in their lives and in the university ministry. These 18 months of transition have been very stressful for me. I don't like change. I want everything to stay exactly the same and go according to plan. But, you know, as people have come and people have gone, God has been so faithful to bring different people along. Um, you know, he's brought me and he's brought Henrika to come and join the ministry team and David, who we'll hear from later. But he's also brought up this amazing team of student leaders. Um, there are about a dozen different students who um, together are, you know, reaching out and loving the campus in just an amazing way. It's you know, come talk to me later. I'll tell you, it's mind-boggling just how God brought each one of these people in their journey of faith and, you know, to a position where they're leading and, you know, help doing little small groups on the campus. Um, one of these students is Idima, who is um, really one of my favorite. No, you're all my favorites. <laughs> but um, her journey of faith consistently, like, you know, daily, monthly, you know, as I hear about what God has been doing in her life and her family is super encouraging for myself. And so I've asked her to share a little bit about um, how ICF, the International Christian Fellowship at HKU, how the university ministry and how Watermark as a church has been encouraging her and her um, journey. Hello, I'm Edie. So I think um, ICF, it's really important for each one of us. And what I, why I say that, it's simply because um, in HKU, where you find a lot of students really like to boast and pretend. And it's hard to find a community where you can really share your struggles and really share, um, like really be humble and really have a serving heart. And I think ICF actually really encouraged every single one of us to really be vulnerable and really share our struggles in the community and ask for prayers and fellowships. And apart from, um, ICF, actually, um, I think ICF, it's a really prayer-centered community. And actually, when we go there, every time we'll pray for each other. And not only on the Wednesday meeting, apart from Wednesday, we actually pray for each other throughout the week and keep each other accountable. And that's really encouraging for me because um, for a student, I feel like I'm not working like walking on this journey on my own, but really I have a huge community supporting me and really inspiring me each time. And I think um, apart from this, what um, ICF, that ICF actually um, encouraged me to live out gospel-centered life. Why I say that? It's because um, every time when we go to ICF, we're actually challenged by Alfie or Henrika to really um, start our mission in the campus. And that mission is not to get straight A's or to get really good grades, but rather it's to really um, seeking all the souls and really spread gospel to the students around me. 
And that actually inspired me to love and care about the people around me. And actually, um, I think that helped me to um, really get to know more about God's word and actually inspired me to really um, reflect on all those words. And apart from ICF, um, I think Baltimore encouraged me a lot as well. And the reason why I say that, it's um, I really appreciate Watermark's sermon, which are really, um, I think it's really um, honest and really open to talk about all those topics which are really hard. It can be telling us um, we are sinful and we are, um, but it can keep reminding us that we are worthy and God loves us so much as well. And that's just really inspiring and really touched my heart each time and actually encouraged me to know more about God's word as well. That's how I feel, yeah. Thanks, Edie. Uh, one of the things that um, Edie and a dozen other students are doing is leading small groups. So, you know, each week they're getting together in classrooms and dorms, um, in the libraries to look at the Bible and see God's word. But, you know, we have this, this huge struggle, and you know, especially like in my heart, because I really want the students to be on the campus and you know, reaching and loving those people, but I also want them to be a part of the church, right? I think I think sometimes we either we do one extreme or the other. So either they're on the campus and we don't see them at church, or they're all at church and they're never reaching out the campus to the campus. And this is where I would like you guys, everyone here, as a family of Watermark, to to come in and help us, all right? Help us, you know, love these students. You know, come and take them out for lunch. Love them. You know, we have a volunteer who you know, bought tickets for all the students to join our anniversary lunch for free. So if you're a student, you know, free lunch, right? <laughs> but, you know, we want them to also come and get to know you, get to know what God is doing in your life, that, you know, there is life after you graduate, and that Jesus is still there, and he's still working and doing that. We also want them to be involved in the church. We want them to be serving. And so, you know, if you're in a ministry, if you're doing stuff with the kids or the youth, and you see somebody who's young and wearing funny clothes, ask them to, you know, come and, you know, come and join us, come serve with us. Um, because as much as you guys are students and are on the campus, um, you're also a part of this church family. And we'd love to see us try and figure out where that balance is between being missionaries on campus and being, you know, members of this church. Um, one of the things that God has been doing is been bringing in lots of different people to allow us to reach more people on the campus. Um, there are about a million and a half HKU students who are from the mainland China. It's, maybe it's about 2,000. Um, <laughs> but um, David is, um, God has brought David along, who is you know, just graduated from seminary in Boston, um, who's from mainland China, and he's gonna share a little bit about what he's been doing um, on HKU um, with mainland, with Mandarin speaking students. Uh, so for people who uh, never met me before uh, and who is under five years old, maybe you know uh, I am Amanda's husband. Because she volunteered in the case ministry sometimes, so you may know her. And uh, I was born in uh, up north, very close to uh, Russia, and uh, you can see maybe some polar bears there. That's my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, Heilongjiang province is a very cold place. And uh, uh, we have a uh, uh, minus 0.3-year-old uh, kid yeah, on, on her way here. And <laughs> even though you know, young as she is, kicked me, kicked me many, many times. And uh, I will see what uh, it will be like when, when she's out. And uh, 
Yeah, uh, right now we, Healthy just said that we have 2,000 uh, university students from, from uh, mainland China. And uh, in the Bible, we, we are always reminded, love your neighbor. And Healthy uh, just reminded me, you know, do you know how many neighbors you have? 2,000. 2,000 uh, people who are from mainland China, they've never heard of the gospel, they never met Jesus. And uh, how, do you, how do you love your neighbor? The best way to love them is to tell them Jesus and share the gospel with them. That's why uh, we, at Watermark, we started the Mandarin ministry and to share the gospel, the word with them. We started from the beginning, uh, Genesis. We are reading uh, chapter 1 and 2 every Thursday afternoon and Thursday evening and uh, at the community center. You know where it is, High Street, for 6. And uh, if you have time, in the, if you know anyone, who is interested, please come and join us. And uh, we also cooperate with, with many other uh, groups on campus and uh, uh, some other fellowship and some people so we can reach out to uh, undergrad and uh, graduate student and the postgrad and many different peoples. And the two weeks I was in another fellowship and re they just uh, reminded me to say, you know how, how many neighbors do you have? said, well, how many? And they said, we have one million Mandarin speakers in Hong Kong. So one million, that's a large amount of people. And they are our neighbors. In many 2,000 years, our Lord Jesus challenged this lawyer. And this lawyer came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you should love your Lord and love your neighbor. And who is my neighbor? One million people. And I know many people of you maybe want to start a Mandarin-speaking CG. So you know where I am, and talk to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, David. Um, we don't know what this university ministry is going to look like in another 18 months. Um, most of these students will have graduated. Um, maybe they'll have left Hong Kong. There'll be a whole bunch of new students. There'll be a new set of student leaders. And I'm reminded every day that all the things that we're doing, whether it's you know with small groups on campus, whether it's reaching out to man, mainland, mainland Chinese speakers, you know these things only happen when God is working and when we're asking Him and we're praying to Him and praying for this university. So we really want you guys as a church to join us in praying for these students, um, to pray for them and pray that they would come to know Jesus. Pray, um, love these students and take them out for lunch. Um, challenge those, these students to take the next step on their spiritual journey. Over this next couple of weeks, we're going to be um, starting a journey towards talking a bit about justice. And as a university ministry, we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. But within Watermark, um, Jeremy heads up our missional justice department, and he's going to come up and... Department? I don't know. He's going to come up and talk a little bit about that. All right. Thank you so much. Um, missional justice. That we, it sounds kind of cool. It wasn't just two words that I decided to throw together that sounds cool because it actually reminds me and it should remind us like what exactly is, is justice. So when I'm thinking about us serving the poor and when I'm thinking about us, when we're thinking about you know, reaching the people who are like at the lowest of the low, at the lowest rungs of the social uh, ladders, it's not just a matter of charity or you know, doing something nice. It's actually an issue of justice. It's actually something God looks at and says, hey, this is unjust. 
and I, as a just God, believe that something actually needs to be done. So it's not, it's so much more serious and, and, and weighty than that. And why missional? Because I think I constantly need a reminder, I think we all do as a church, when we go out and serve and do, you know, good deeds, it's not really just to hopefully make society more just, which is wh where the term social justice comes from. But it's, it's actually something more than that. Everything we do is intimately connected to a God who is missional, who came, first came down through Jesus Christ to actually reach us. And everything we do is part of, of advancing his kingdom, a part of his mission that's so clearly written on the banner. So even when we're loving people, when we're serving the poor, our hope is that they'll ultimately recognize the true issue of justice, and that's the issue of being reconciled with God, of receiving his forgiveness. So that's why justice is not just social justice, it's not just charity or mercy, but it's actually missional, and that's something that I, I need constant reminder of, and I hope that uh, God and, and his spirit would continually remind us as well. So I'll be very brief. Um, there's a bunch of things that I can share about. Uh, the short you know, summary won't do these things justice. Um, uh, Chris got it there. Um, but but um, hopefully in the coming weeks and months, you will, you'll be able to see more spotlights of what God is doing in and around the community. Uh, there's a few things that have really kind of risen up from the grassroots of, Saint, of, uh, of Watermark. One is St. Barnabas Society. You might have heard of it uh, over the past year or two. It just started from one community group seeing a need in, their, in the Kennedy Town area in the Western District. And they started going out to this, this NGO, this Christian NGO that serves the elderly, that serves uh, street sleepers and homeless people. And we really came alongside them as a church to help them actually start a kids learning club to actually reach uh, underprivileged kids, families. And they've started um, a weekly program tutoring kids, having their parents come over for a, like a home-cooked meal, and that's something that we want to continue partnering with them uh, as well. Uh, you might have seen like, you know, half a dozen, a dozen, maybe even 20 Nepali kids, South Asian kids running around Watermark. They're from an NGO called Inner City Ministries that serves in Jordan and Yamate and, and that whole area. And it's just beautiful for me to see these kids come into our midst because it's not outreach anymore. We always think of it as us and them, but they're in our midst now. They're part of our church. At least that's what we're working towards. As much as normal things like you know race and language and culture can still separate us, I think the beautiful thing is God is, is using this opportunity to break down barriers that we have in our very hearts, you know, that they're the other, you know, they're poor, they're dirty, they're smelly, which may be true, to be honest. And none of them here are here, hopefully. But the beautiful thing is, you know, I've smelled, I've walked up to them and smelled some of them before, and, and they, need, they need cleaning. They need people to walk alongside them and teach them about personal hygiene. So that's the beauty that we can see God working. And so inner city is another big thing. And uh, sons and daughters is another one. They reach out to the working girls, the mama-sons, even the customers in all the red light districts in Hong Kong, especially Lockhart Road in Wan Chai. And it's, that's still something that we're really trying to, to spotlight and to build up, but just seeing a few people in Watermark or, or even like half a community group kind of being passionate about reaching these ladies who a lot of them don't really want to be there. They don't want to be on Lockhart. They don't want to be at the clubs. They don't want to be selling their bodies, but for one reason or another, they think they have no choice. 
So, so that's another thing. And there's also little things that are going on, you know, community group that's going out to elderly homes regularly uh, just to show love to people who are maybe often emotionally neglected. Um, there's, I know there's a group that's giving bread and delivering bread to people who need food. And those are just little things that we're hearing, and I pray that it's not just something, that really the vision, the heart, is not something that the elders or me just like coming and saying, we got to do this and this and this and this. All of these things is things that we've identified as things that have come up from the grassroots, from community groups, from a few people who have just gotten together and, hey, and seen, hey, this is unjust. There's something wrong here. Uh, God does not like this situation, and we want to be his hands and feet and actually make a small difference. So I'm really looking forward to what's happening, what's going to be happening in the next you know, six months, a year, what other things God might, might do. If you heard anything that I've shared so far in terms of what's already going on, you know, inner city, sons and daughters, St. Barnabas, or the other things, please speak to me. We'd love to continue just mobilizing and, and remembering that, you know, justice isn't really an option. You know, if we profess to be walking with the Lord, and He is the Lord of justice, um, it's not really something that we add on to our, our walk as a, as a Christian. It's something that we, we just have to do, and He calls us to do if, if we're you know, in love with the Lord and if we're following him. So thanks so much. And I will pass on to Franklin and Graham, our elders, who will speak about finances because all these things that we've talked about need finances and need human resources. Thanks, guys. Uh, this is the part of the service where all the bankers, investment bankers, and finance people actually wake up, <laughs> okay? It's otherwise known as the Jerry Maguire part of the sermon, show me the money, okay, which is what we plan to do. Uh, I'm, I'm Graham, one of the elders, and this is... I'm Franklin, I'm the other elder. Good, so we, we haven't got exciting stories, but we got something better than that, we got bar graphs, okay? So here we go. If you have a look at there, I want to start the most beautiful figure to me is the little last one, the little blue bar graph. That actually shows how generous you guys have been. We at Watermark, ages ago, we always want to be known as a generous church. So we're going to begin with a thank you. And that really is us as a family contributing over $9 million in giving last year, which is a 13% increase over the year before. So thanks, everyone, and thanks to yourselves, right? That's, we're very blessed, and we're very humbled to see those figures. Yes, indeed, we're very, very blessed. Um, we're so blessed that in November of last year, we made an, uh, totally made an announcement, made a challenge to all of us that uh, the weekend of December 8th will give all that giving away. And by grace, that is the biggest weekend we have ever received in Watermark. And... Uh, we gave away a million and a half dollars on that that we received for that weekend. And the money that we just want to let you know that uh, the money that was received went into several major ministries. Uh, we went to help the church planters with City to City, uh, reaching out to the poor that uh, Jeremy mentioned uh, for uh, St. Barnabas and uh, in Saingpun and uh, Jordan, the kids club uh, for inner city ministries and several other ministries. So, but with all these investments, we may not see an immediate return, but Lord will continue to challenge us and show us and give us visions that these things, these investments will be worth it and reaching out to the reach in the gospel. Good. Uh, 
All right, now I've, I've given, there's always in accounting I learned in school, there's these things called a T account, right? There's a debit and there's a credit. So I've just told you about the little blue graph, and now I have to tell you about the, the green little bar chart there. Like anything in Hong Kong, things go up, right? If, uh, so that's the reality of what happened to us over the past year. Our expenses went up, and particularly we've the cost of this venue, right? Uh, just being in here, we've, we've seen a dramatic increase in cost. We've had to hire removal services. They charge us to keep our equipment here during the week. And all that's kind of led to an increase of expenses of over a million dollars. So that's kind of what that little green bar indicates is our expenses have really gone up a lot compared to the previous year. Okay. Um. Together with the expenses, uh, in the, if you see the blue chart there, the blue uh, on 2012 and 2013, uh, we have a, the year ago, we had some really low donations plus the big expenses. So the savings that we have in our bank account, we have to be very, very honest and upright with you, that has kind of depleted. So, we have to, so this whole year, we've been very, very careful in our spending uh, so that we will not uh, continue going to red. Um, and, uh, but in, in when we're reducing expenses, we don't want to reduce our outreach efforts, our, uh, the trainings and the ministry that's needed for the church. So we'll continue to report these figures to you as a watermark family on a monthly basis so you will be aware and we hold us accountable for our spending. Uh, someone asked me about a week ago, they said, uh, is there something special in the coffee they serve at Watermark? Because there's an awful lot of pregnant women around. So uh, I just, we don't put anything in the coffee, but um, our family's growing, which is fantastic, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're growing in, you know, from the ground up, from having babies, from people coming in, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But that kind of means an increase in expenses as well. And we, we've got to make allowances for that. You know, we hope to, to bring more permanent uh, staff members on board. And also we, we're praying for a permanent venue as well. So what we've done is we've taken into consideration the giving of last year, that $9 million figure I mentioned. And we've taken into account what we've learned from our expenses. And we've prepared a budget this year. If you can have a look, just can we go back one just before? Uh, that last little gray box at the end, you see that's perfectly in line with the little blue giving thing. So we've been good stewards and we, we're trying to imagine, match our budget to our giving for the next year. And, and Jackie's going to show us. Now we move from, from bar graphs to par charts. It just gets better and better. <laughs> okay, so that's kind of how we've broken it up, right? I don't know. You can see that little figure up there. It says budgeted spending from last year was 2.3 million more, right? So it's what Franklin already mentioned about us, us using a lot of the church savings. So that's kind of how our ministry has been broken up uh, into the different factors. And we're basing it on, you can see a monthly giving of around 750 to 800,000 is what we need as a family. Good, so um, what, what we ask and what we really is, is to continue to pray, right? Come pray, pray that God will uh, bless us and continue to provide for our needs, which he has done. We just need to look over our shoulder and this is a little miracle that's happened and he's continued to provide for our needs. And 
Also, don't forget, right, everything that we've heard be gone before us, community groups, missional justice, university, that's all part of this. We're all sowing into that ministry by a lot of what's been given. Yeah, throughout the year, I've been always been uh, reminded of this verse from the Bible, from Philippians 1, 3 to 6. And we read it to you. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Good. Just if you look behind me, one last thing. This is a celebration of what we've been able to do over the past year. We're not going to go into all the details. But it really is big highlights of people we've managed to bring out, things we've managed to do just as a church community. All of it costs money, and, uh, but it is reaching out the gospel. If you do have any more detailed questions, please come speak to uh, the leaders or us as elders afterwards, and we're, we're happy to, to hear your questions and hopefully give you an answer. Thanks very much, Tobin. Okay, so that was, that was much better than AGM, wasn't it? Come on, guys. Is that better than sitting on a quorum, raising your hands and all that stuff? Um, you know, it's amazing when you look at that year chart, what God has allowed us as a church to be a part of and all the things that he's still out to. And when you think about just, I realize one of the craziness about ministry as I've been doing it for 30 years now is that so much of what we see, we don't see. We're not going to see what's going to happen in the lives of the students a lot of the students are going to leave and they're going to their other countries. We're not going to see what's going to happen in the life of some of the kids because their families are going to transfer, they're going to leave, and they're going to go two years to New York or to Singapore or someplace like that. But what we know is that our God is going with them, and however long they're here, he's been challenging us as a church to plant seeds of gospel, the resources he's given us, to allow those things to grow and to flourish and to change lives and things that are happening. We're going to end right now. Uh, Christine and I were talking, and one of the things we talked about, we said, you know, I said to her uh, just yesterday, last night, actually, we said, so what do you want the church to look like 20 years from now? And she said to me, you know, it doesn't really matter if Christ isn't at the center of it. If Christ is at the center of it, then he's in control, and he's going to take care of it, and he's going to grow it, and it's going to happen. But if he's not, we can grow this massive mega church, and it won't matter because it won't last. I wondered if I was going to share this with you, but I want to share this with you just so you can keep us accountable, you can keep me accountable, but actually so we can keep the church family accountable because it's not just me saying it. It's us doing it as a family. In the year to come, we want to reach out to other campuses. We've partnershiped with churches in America and other organizations, and they're going to start sending interns with us. And that's, that's part of the things we're pray, praying about and doing and looking at. In the year to come, we want to keep training everybody in this church. We want you guys to go deeper in, in your, your love for God's word. We want you to understand theology. We're going to put on classes. My, my mentor, the guy who trained me in seminary, Dr. Hannah, is going to come, and he's going to be a consultant for us for two months, and he's going to do Bible study classes and church history classes. And all of these things we want you to take part of because we want you to grow and to develop we want to start Mandarin Bible studies. And as David said, we, we've already started the Bible study. So if you're a Mandarin speaker or you know a Mandarin speaker, Thursday night at the community center, there's a fellowship there for Mandarin speakers to learn God's word in their native tongue. We want to do that. And our hope is that one day that that will plant into a church. 
We want to keep planting churches. We want to keep training pastors. And, and, and the hope is at the end of this next year that we would have developed a team, uh, a, a launch team, a group of people, and that we say, okay, we have a countdown now. And so from one year from now, we want to plant another church community, maybe two. And so that's what we're praying for. But we realize that it's not going to work unless we do it as a family. We probably need to start a second service. And I, I've been fighting it, been fighting it because of the community. But, you know, as we, as we continue to grow, not to grab people from other churches, but to get people who aren't in church, we probably need to continue that. Because when people come and they see something this size, they, they don't necessarily want to bring their friends in. So we need to pray about that. We need to realize what it's going to look like for us just to trust the Lord and, and to move forward in this process. And it's not just the staff saying it because we're all priests. We're all called to do it. And so I want to end our time by taking communion together because that's how the early church did it. They took communion together and then they ate a big meal together, a love feast. The interesting thing about Christianity is this. In every other religion... Uh, in business, however you want to do it, when you want to honor somebody, what you normally do is you make an image of them or you put their name on a building. And there's a lot of names on buildings all around Hong Kong and those people are being honored for what they've done and some of that's amazing stuff. But in Christianity, what we're told in the Gospels and in 1 Corinthians is the way we honor the Lord is we take a meal. And in this meal, we're told that we take part in the symbolism of God's body. We eat the bread. We drink the wine. We don't make an image of anything, but we take those things into us. And the difference between Christianity and every other religion is when we do this, what we're doing is we're saying that Christ is inside of us. When you take the communion, what you're saying theologically is, is God is with you. So the question we have to ask ourselves as we walk through this day is, what does it mean for God to be with us? What does it look like for that to happen as a church? The difference between Christianity and every other religion is that when we take communion, we take it together. It doesn't just mean that God is in us, that God is with us, that God is with you as you're walking together, as you're going to work, as you're living in home, as you're a dad, as you're a mom, as you're a single, as you're a student, as you're a worker. Whatever you're doing, God is with you as you're doing it. But what it also means is that God is with us, that we are a family. The symbolism of why we take communion as a we don't take communion apart from the big family because the meaning of communion is, is that we are a family. We walk together, we pray together, we serve together, we love together, we cry together, we celebrate together, we rejoice together, knowing that God has brought us together.